welcome in to No Show Studios. This is episode six of the No Show Sportscast. I am Trevor Coos, and I'm joined once again by my co-host Mark Ling. And uh, today, before we get into part two of the baseball extravaganza, just want to mention the email and the blog again. It's no shows sports at gmail.com. Two S's, no shows, sports, three total, I suppose. Uh, as many as you would think would be spelled there. And uh, no shows sports.blogspot.com is the blog. So, that's all we have at the top of the show. And now to get into it. You're not going to go to a break? We're not going to go to a break. No, no, this is keeping, keeping it going. Uh, we're talking National League this this National League sucks. The senior circuit as it's known. Yeah. Uh, by some, mainly because it's older, I guess. That would older. be the reason. It was established in eighteen seventy six, about twenty five years before the American League was established. Both of them are quite senior at this point, having been around for over a century. Um, and before we go into it, the interesting uh Tidbit, there's only two of the original charter teams that are still in existence. Um, the Boston Red Stockings, as they were known, are now the Atlanta Braves. And the Chicago White Stockings, not the Chicago White Sox, they're the Chicago Cubs now. Um, those yeah. are the only two teams out of about ten original teams that are still around, so a lot of turnover. The NL is also called the Senior Circuit just because old people like it, because they don't have the DH, and it's supposed to be old-fashioned or whatever. Basically, Traditional. Yeah, that's that's a, that's how that's what someone like you would call it. No, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's there. It exists. <laughs> Finally getting some biased uh, from Mark, the Red Sox fan. But we're going to jump in, start in the West, just like we did last week for the American League, and we're going to start out... Uh, with the team that won the division last year. Um, they had a lot of departures and a lot of questions going into this season, but uh, the L.A. Dodgers, the only true L.A. team, unlike last week where we talked about the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim, yeah. Dodgers actually play in Chavez Ravine in L.A. Um, so, yeah, Mark, you want to start us off with the Dodgers? Uh, yeah, I think the Dodgers are good. They have lots of talent, and they have a really good manager, Joe Torre. He's he's a good guy. He's old. I think he's there's some news about he might come back for 11, 2011. Maybe. It's still up in the air. Mattingly wants to manage at some point, and he's been sticking around. So uh, it should be interesting. He might be done after this year. He might come back for one more. But pretty soon, Joe Torre is going to be calling it quits. Yeah, um, which is semi-irrelevant managers make a difference but not nearly the same difference that like a football head coach does right um so while it's nice to have an experienced guy like tory it's definitely not make a break but um they have they have lots of talent the padres or the uh the dodgers do they lost some of their rotation depth and i think that's gonna hurt them this year they lost uh we have a list here compiled by our buddy trevor coos of all the key additions and departures for each team. And for departures, we have Randy Wolf uh, and John Garland. Yeah, who... they're four and five starters, although Randy Wolf was the most reliable starter. Some would say the number one at times for the Dodgers with the troubles that Clayton Kershaw and Chad Billingsley had. Yeah, well, Randy Wolf went to the Brewers, and he's going to be, what, their t- number two? Uh, number behind. two or three, yeah. Number two or three. Garland went to the Padres, and he's going to be their effectively number their number one. one. But that's because the right. Padres don't have anyone else. Exactly. Well, Lactos, Lactos will get up there, but yeah, anyways. The Dodgers. So I, I think rotation depth is going to be their issue if they want to survive uh, the long season. If they're set up sort of, sort of as a playoff team, I think Kershaw and Billingsley are a good one-two punch, uh, especially lefty-righty. 
Um, so in the playoffs, you need like one or two good starters. They have they have those two guys and Kuroda, who, I mean, I think he has a neck injury still from when he got hit in the head with a baseball last year. So yeah. if he can bounce back from that, he, I mean, he's been quite effective while healthy. He's a good third starter. Yeah. But they just don't, I don't know who, who they even have at four and five. Vincente Padilla right, is at that. four and five is up in the air between like James McDonald. Um, let's see. Jer- Jeff Weaver, the, the, who's back with the Dodgers. Yes. Um, they have a couple other guys like uh, Stoltz, Eric Stoltz, I believe. He started some games last year. Right. Um, Russ Ortiz. Or is that Russ or Ramon Ortiz? That's Russ Ortiz. Russ Ortiz. Signed a minor league contract. Interesting. So, I mean, they have a couple guys, no one good. Whoever yeah. they throw out, it could, it could very well be... All of those guys get time starting this year. Yeah. Uh, so their pitching is obviously the question mark because their offense isn't going to be terrible with Manram, who, who, when he's not juicing, he he's a pretty effective hitter. And they have Matt Kemp, who's one of the best all-around players in baseball. Andre Ethier, who's a pretty good power threat. James Loney, who's basically just a good contact guy. It's kind of like Mark Grace, a poor man's Mark Grace. He plays some defense. He can hit the ball, doesn't really have power. But, yeah. you know, a decent valuable bat right um the rest of their infield is sort of mediocre Rafael for call had a down year last year but basically they're gonna have a good lineup with Manny Kemp and Ethier those those three their outfield is one of the better hitting outfield outfields in baseball um and they have the veteran you know presence with Casey Blake and for call who's getting up there in years so I think relative to the rest of the NL West I think they have a pretty good shot to win the division yeah, the big, one of the big question marks will be second base this year. They lost the O-Dog, Orlando Hernandez, oh, Hernandez Hudson. <laughs> uh, he's playing in Minnesota now. We talked about him last week. Um, and to fill his place, they've got the uh, once top prospect, Blake DeWitt, and then Ronnie Belliard, uh, who I believe, I think I heard this somewhere, that Belliard's nickname is Roly Poly. I believe it. Yeah, I mean, he definitely looks like a... If you've ever seen one of those little roly-poly bugs, Belliard, striking resemblance. <laughs> yeah, and they have a, a good closer, strikeout guy in Broxton, so... I mean, bull- they have a good bullpen. They have a fairly strong bullpen with uh, Cheryl Troncoso, uh, Belarusio, uh, Charlie Hager, the knuckleballer, could find his way into... Yeah, Belisario, we like to call him. Hong Chi Kuo. Corey Wade has been yeah. good. Yeah, they, I mean, they have they, a good... they've got a solid team, and in the NL West, they could definitely. Um, I mean, the chances are that they will win the West, right. just because there's no. They have a lot of questions, but no one else is up there with them talent-wise for the most part. So at least not, offensively. At least offensively, there's a lot of great pitching in the West. But yeah, so I mean, I, I don't think it might be close, and it could very well go to any f- of four teams in the West. I would say. Uh, but um, I, if I had to guess right now, if I could, could try to be unbiased, it, the West will probably go to the Dodgers. Well, I mean, we'll get to that yep. uh, closer to opening day with our actual predictions. But uh, moving on to the West, we talked about one of their additions who actually came from the Dodgers, uh, San Diego Padres. I mean, they have a very unexciting team. But they do get to play in San Diego, and it's an amazing city. So they got that going at least. Yeah, San Diego's not a, not a terrible place to play. Uh, but yeah, they're just not a good team. It's payroll basically is their is their issue. They didn't have money to 
get anyone who matters. So their biggest acquisition was John Garland. And they got the, the Wonder Twins. Uh, they're not even twins, but I like to call them Scott and Jerry Hairston. Yeah, I believe Jerry is the older brother. <laughs> yeah, they're not twins, but yeah. Um, I think, uh, however, I have deep hatred for Kevin Kuzminoff. I think he's a terrible baseball player. Yeah, That's, I mean, I, I don't see that as being a big loss for the Padres. No. And if anything, it's addition by subtraction. Yeah, so I mean, they have Chase Headley, who has been playing left field basically because Kuzminoff was there first. I think Headley has often been considered the better player overall. Yeah. And now he can finally move back to his natural third base position. And that opens up left field for another misplaced hitter, Kyle Blanks, who actually has power that could play in Petco Field, which not a lot of players actually could consistently hit home runs there. Blanks has some huge power. Yeah. Uh, the, the offensive, the, their best player and their basically only player that would play on almost any other team in the league would be uh, Adrian Gonzalez. That's probably a little bit uh, unrealistic, but uh, it's, it's definitely the one guy, I mean, he's going he's gonna to be their all-star because no one else on this team comes close and you have to have one still i mean maybe heath bell yeah. but what um, i meant but like that was like heath bell could close for some other teams but he couldn't close for any team right adrian gonzalez could play for any team maybe the cardinals well he wouldn't play first base i'm not saying they would find <laughs> they'd yeah. find a place for his adrian bat. gonzalez is the kind of player that you would find room for and i mean it'll be interesting to see if he remains on the padres the entire year once the trading deadline comes around Chances are, as you said, the cash-strapped Padres, small market team, um, they have a great ballpark, but I guess they don't get enough people to come out to the game. People are too busy sitting around the beach. Yeah, there's just no reason to go to a baseball game in Southern California. You can just chill, yeah, like you said, on the beach. Yeah, so it should be interesting to see if he sticks around. If he does get traded, Kyle Blanks, I mean, he's a big guy. He's Adam Dunn size. He's like 6'8". Big donkey. Listed at uh, maybe like 280, probably more than that. Right. Um, so he's definitely going to be a butcher in left field, but uh, his value is going to come from his bat. 6'6", you know, 285. Yeah, there you go. Big guy. Um, and his they hair, have, though, adds like 7 inches to his height. I don't think he has that anymore. I think that's an old picture. <laughs> that's a sweet picture. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure he got rid of that big old fro pretty quickly. What size hat he has to wear? Huge. Probably special made. It's probably, probably like, like my size. Probably made like, no, not as big as your head. <laughs> anyways, Padres are going to be terrible. Yeah, I mean, they have some building blocks, and maybe depending on who they get for when they do trade Adrian Gonzalez, they could have an interesting team a couple years down the road. But, I mean, we haven't even talked. I mean, we talked about John Garland when we were talking about the Dodgers, but the Padres starting pitching is horrible. It's basically just kind of thrown together Aaron Parita, Matt Latos, Kevin Correa, like all these, a lot of guys who didn't make it on other teams who are now on the Padres, like Correa couldn't make it on the Yankees or the Giants. Right. Um, yeah, they they have a couple interesting fantasy guys like Everett Cabrera, Adrian Gonzalez, obviously. Matt Latos is going to be terrible. Kyle Blanks, Haith Bell. So they have like four or five guys who you could have on your fantasy team, but as far as real baseball goes... They're just simply terrible. Yeah, they're going to be really bad. However, I think in the future they're going to be good because they got uh, Jed Hoyer, who was the assistant GM for the Red Sox. Yes. And brought he brought uh, their Red Sox scouting director along with him, who who was responsible for the Red Sox five or six last drafts, last five or six drafts. Yeah, and the Padres do have a bit of a blemish as far as drafting goes. The last couple of years they had Matt Bush, number one overall pick. Maybe in 04, I want to say off the top of my head, that was the year that Stephen Drew and Jared Weaver were available among 
a bunch of other bats and they just completely whiffed. And when you, even in baseball, when you, a small market team completely misses on a first overall pick, it's complete bust. He's in like, I think the Tampa Bay Rays signed Bush to a minor yeah. league deal. Well, he played shortstop for a while, and then they can, didn't they convert they him? They converted to him to. They were going to try to try him out as a reliever, reliever, because he pretty much busted at shortstop. He couldn't yeah. hit worth a. At it was anything. a signability pick, and it was a terrible choice. Yeah, it was. I mean, and it's been affecting them. They've been trying to bounce back. Um, they're going to be bad. Uh, but moving on, uh, the other team that made it into the playoffs. I mean, it's surprising. The NL West isn't thought of very well. But two teams from the NL West made it to the playoffs last year, and the Rockies got in as the wild card. Uh, they are an interesting team, not known for their pitching, but they uh, have put some together recently. Uh, as far as Ubaldo Jimenez goes, we've talked about him a couple times. He shares a birthday with Mark. Um, and, He's a good man. Huh? He's a good man. He is a good man. Uh, no, that's not true at all. <laughs> Uh, Aaron Cook, Jorge De La Rosa. They're going to be getting Jeff Francis back from, I believe, Tommy John surgery. Um, they, so they have the makings of some pitching, and they always have offense, it seems like. They're never short on offense. They got Carlos Gonzalez in the Matt Holiday trade last offseason, I want to say. The speedy center fielder, Brad Hopp, who seems to have been there forever, but consistently puts up decent numbers. And, I mean, Todd Helton's very old. Ian Stewart isn't very good. But then you got Troy Tulowitzki at shortstop. Right. Who's, One of the better offensive shortstops in the game. Yeah, exactly. And they have a decent uh, bullpen with Houston Street. They signed uh, Raphael Betancourt, I believe. Juan Rincon. Last terrible. season, Juan Rincon's just bad. What they need to do is they need to tell Clint Barmas that he's a bad baseball player, send him to the Padres or the Pirates so he can start full-time, and then start EY Jr., at, at second base. They need to make that decision today. Yeah, um, it's kind of tough because he hasn't really been known, young that is, hasn't really been known for his defense. But there isn't really room in the outfield for, in Colorado for him. He's so fast. Any ball hit within like 30 yards of him, he's going to speed Gonzalez. Hand work or something. I don't, I don't know. Hand work or something? I don't know. He's often been said that, I mean, he's even on their depth chart. and He's in center field. even. Yeah, he's their third center fielder according to the depth chart I'm looking at. Yeah, so it, it's really... I don't know why you would think that someone that fast who can get, I believe he had 80 steals one minor league season. I mean, he, he's ridiculously fast. You would think that he wouldn't have a problem playing second base. They actually, they just signed Melvin Mora, as we have on our uh, on the list you compiled, which is probably going to send EY Jr. to the minors to begin the year. Yeah, I'm I'm not convinced that Mora can play any second base at this point. He hasn't for years. Not even second base. I think they were going to bring him in as like a utility guy. He could play third second outfield but now that they have more they don't need him for third and they have other guys like uh who can play all outfield spots like Seth Smith and Ryan Spielboard and stuff like that yeah I mean and they have lost some people like Garrett Atkins who you know I know you're not a fan of but he has put up some decent numbers uh he's in Baltimore now playing first base for the Orioles really it's an interesting team I was surprised that they made it into the playoffs but they had they have Jim Tracy as the manager, and he's put together, you know, he got the Pirates to play really well a couple of years ago for a while. Um, he's a very underrated manager, in my opinion. So it, it'll it'll be interesting to see if they can put together another strong season. If Jeff Francis can bounce back, they could have a pretty good rotation. If Todd Helton can somehow stay on the field the entire season, you know, it, it, there's a lot of question marks with the Rockies. And, of course, they have the ballpark that, 
you know, they have the humidor, but it doesn't really matter. It's still, you know, a strong hitter's ballpark at this point. And moving on, uh, we're going to save my favorite team for last, so we're going to move on to Arizona now. They've been pretty busy this offseason. A uh, couple of strong acquisitions, a couple of key departures as well. Uh, they were in on the Curtis Granderson three-team trade. We talked a little bit last year or last week about it when we were talking about the Tigers and the Yankees. They ended up getting Edwin Jackson from the Tigers and Ian Kennedy from the Yankees, and they shipped Max Scherzer and Daniel Schlereth to the Tigers. So that uh, they see something in Ian Kennedy. I don't understand this at this point because I'm not a fan of Edwin Jackson or Ian Kennedy, but they see something in Ian Kennedy that they think that he could be a solid three or four starter this year even. Yeah, he, they, he could be a solid three or four starter for the Diamondbacks. He couldn't do that for the Yankees, who have a really good rotation this year because they have tons of money. But he, he, he can deliver that kind of production over guys like... I don't even know who these guys. Kevin Mulvey. Mulvey, uh, he was uh, a Mets prospect originally. He was part of the Johan Santana trade, sending him to Minnesota, and I believe was traded to the Diamondbacks at some point last year. Yes. So thank you for that. The more you know. <laughs> um, anyways, moving on. We, they also have uh, like Brian Augustine, Billy Buckner, who has a terrible name. It's an unfortunate name for that. I mean, we can talk. I'm sure that'll come up at some point this season. But Billy Buckner is one of the most unfortunate names ever. However, they do have a pretty good top of the rotation with Dan Heron, who's an ace on most teams. At least the first half of the season. Exactly. Brandon Webb, who was better than Dan Heron before getting hurt last year, and by all accounts, should bounce back. Uh, Edwin Jackson's a good third starter. Absolutely. That's, uh, that's something that we can't agree on. If you're not expecting Edwin Jackson to put up the kind of numbers he put up the first half of last year, and you just want him to be a solid uh, middle-of-the-rotation guy, I think he can do that, definitely. I mean, he can build the stamina that uh, led to the drop-off last year, but he's just not going to be able to put up those premier numbers that I think the Diamondbacks might have been looking for when they made that trade. Right. I the speculation is that they had uh, concerns over Max Scherzer's shoulder. Yes. Um, which is legit. He He's had injury problems in the past, and he's sort of a flamethrower with troublesome command. And and... Schlereth had elbow surgery or right. shoulder surgery at one point in college, so yeah. before he had even made it to the Diamondbacks. So they they went they took they definitely took the safer road with Edwin Jackson. I think we agree that he's more he has a higher floor than Scherzer. Yes. Uh, and so I think what they were trying to do was compete this year because if Scherzer were to go down and they had you know Brian Augustine to replace him, they yeah. were not gonna. But now that they have more of a sure thing in Edwin. Who probably will regress this year, but he still has, like I said, a higher floor than Scherzer. I think they're looking to compete this year, and I, I'm not sure they um, they can't do it. I, I think they added uh, Adam LaRoche at first, who's going to be good. He's going to add some pop to the lineup. Kelly Johnson at second isn't terrible. He's he's put up to, he's put together a lot of really good seasons quietly out in Atlanta. Yeah, he had an off season last year. He only hit 224, um, but I mean he's the kind of guy that can hit a few home runs. Get some steals, be a nice bottom of the order, maybe even a two hitter, especially in this lineup. Um, he might even lead off for them at some point. So I mean, he, and he he plays good defense too. So yeah, he can be. I think that's a quiet sign for them, but it could really 
pay off really well in the long run. Yeah, they have lots of sort of their calling card over the last few years has been young, high upside outfielders. They had Carlos Gonzalez, Chris Young, Justin Upton. They still have Gerardo Parra. They had Carlos Quentin for a while. So they have lots of guys like that. And this year, their outfield is going to be good. They have uh, Justin Upton in right, who is, by all accounts, one of the best young players in baseball. Yeah, could very well take the next step this season and really cement himself not only best young player, but he could really put himself in the echelon of best player in baseball. Right. And then there's Chris B. Young in center field, who had a down year last year, but he did go he had 32 home runs and 27 stolen bases, I think, in 2007. Um, and then they have Connor Jackson in left field, who's okay. <laughs> he's been hurt. I right. mean, he he's a good played, contact hitter, not gonna have a ton of power. He, he won't... used to play first base. They moved right. him out there. He got hurt. I mean, it's not really sure what they have in Jackson at this point. Um, he could be solid, but they have Gerardo Parra behind him if Jackson falters. So they right. have a nice backup. Plan. Yeah, they have they have good outfield depth. Um, and then the infield, like we already covered. LaRoche and Johnson, but the left side of their infield is pretty good, actually. They yes. have Stephen Drew, who's one of the best young shortstops in baseball, um, just because shortstop is so thin. He's not. He's pretty good defensively. He's pretty good offensively. He's not going to like blow anybody away, but he's not going to kill anyone either. Right. And then they have Mark Reynolds, who I like because <laughs> I had At him last year on my fantasy, fantasy team. Yeah. Yes. He's not. He's not terrible defensively. He has good range. I. I don't know that for sure, but I'm guessing he has. He's fast, so I, I'm guessing he has good range, and he he has lots of power. So their offense isn't going to be terrible with Montero behind the plate. Um, the only question is going to be sort of similar to the Dodgers: is their pitching depth. And then for the the only the biggest difference between these two teams is, uh, I mean, the Dod the Diamondbacks and the Dodgers is the bullpen. Yeah, the bullpen's really weak in they my have, opinion. For the they have Chad Qualls, who isn't bad. He's he's not he wouldn't be a closer on most other teams who already have like legit closers, but it's not bad. And they have Aaron Heilman, Bobby Howry, Juan Gutierrez. They have solid guys. Clay Zavada, Mr. Mustache. You can't hate him. Colin Ballister would argue with the nickname Mr. Mustache. No, he wouldn't. Yes, he would. He Colin could. Ballister is known for his mustache. No, he's not. Yeah, he is. He's not known by me for his mustache. You should know him for his mustache. He's got a pretty sweet mustache. Although Clay Zavada, right up there. That's easily top two. We can argue about it later. Yeah, the bullpen... I think we should argue about it now. <laughs> I mean, Colin Ballister is on Twitter, and his icon on Twitter is the number 99, which he recently switched to, and a mustache. So he identifies himself as Mr. Mustache. Everyone else does, too. No. Someone else... else made him the logo. I doubt... I bet there are more people that identify Clay Zavada for their mustache than there are people who identify... That's because Clay Zavada's been in the majors longer and ESPN has made fun of his mustache more. So? I think Ballister, if he can... Well, we can talk about it when we get to the Nationals, but I think if Ballister can get to, uh, into the rotation or even the bullpen somewhere, uh, he could very well take over, and I, I think that he's got a better mustache. Clay Zavada has a more stylish mustache, but Ballister has old-school you know, 1970s police officer mustache. Clay Zavada. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, when you start talking about mustaches, you've obviously run out of baseball things to talk about for a team. So we're going to move on to our last team in the National League West. My favorite team, your favorite team, everyone's favorite team, the Giants of San Francisco. Not my favorite team. Um who, in my opinion, did not do enough this offseason. They finished third in the division, a couple games out of the wild card spot. 
but uh, they have been known for their lack of offense recently, and adding Mark DeRosa and Aubrey Huff isn't enough of, a, of an improvement, in my opinion, to get them to a to where they need to be, and that's a good offensive team to go along with their outstanding starting pitching. It isn't in Huff. No. <laughs> yes. That's why I pay Mark the big bucks. Their offense is not good. Nate Sheerholtz is not good. Aaron Rome, Perea. Yeah, like you said, they have pretty good pitching uh, with Linscombe and Kane, one of the better one-two punches. I say this about most teams, one of the better one-two punches, but they have a pretty good one-two punch with... Yeah, I think a two-time Cy Young Award winner, along with a guy who won 14 games last season and had a sub-3 ERA. Right. The only thing I'm concerned about is the fact that they brought in Todd Willemeyer to compete with Madison Bumgarner for the fifth starter position. They have a couple other guys as well, Kevin Pusatis and Joe Martinez, who... Neither of whom are any better than Todd Willemeyer. Martinez was doing all right last year, uh, and then he got cracked in the head and I think actually broke his skull. Yeah, he cracked his skull. Which is hard to do. He actually had a hairline fracture with that. It was funny because <laughs> it was on his hairline. <laughs> head injuries are always hilarious. Yeah. Who doesn't love a good head injury? Um, but yeah, I think that just speaks more to them wanting to take their time with Bumgarner and not really rush him. He could definitely use... I think we've talked about this before. He could use some time in AAA, I think. You know, he... Had the loss in velocity that was highly publicized last year. Bumgarner, we're talking about? Yes, Bumgarner. He had the loss in velocity, and he hasn't really developed consistent secondary stuff to this point. So I think AAA time, some time in Fresno. It's a horrible city. I'm sorry if anyone somehow is listening to us from Fresno. It's an awful Move to a new place. Move somewhere else, (laughs) honestly. Actually, the list of worst cities in the USA came out the other day. Uh, Cleveland... Understandably, number one. Yes, I hate. <laughs> Stockton is number two. Oh, and I'm pretty sure Fresno is top ten as well. Uh, that's uh, that would be my list, basically in a nutshell as well. Those are those the three. I've been to those three cities. They're all terrible. Yes. Anyway, uh, so but Bumgarner could use some time there uh, for cleansing of the soul and developing his secondary pitches. Yes. So basically, in their lineup, they have lots of depth. If one guy gets hurt, they can easily replace him with, with someone similar, equal. Yes. yes, they have Juan Uribe who can play almost any infield spot. Who? Well, I don't think he can play shortstop very well, but, but they, they might play him, play him at shortstop. <laughs> yeah, but they also have a guy like Emmanuel Burris who could play shortstop. They have good outfield depth with guys like Eugenio Velez and Fred Lewis and nice John pronunciation, Bauker. by the way. Eugenio. Yes. You like it? Yes. Thank you, John Miller. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so they have plenty of depth in their lineup and defensively, but they have no top of the order threats and they need they need a big power guy they need like a matt holiday they should have gone after um uh, there's plenty of guys there's any number of guys that they they should try to aim for like they should replace aaron rowan in center field curtis granderson would have been a guy for them to try and trade for right field you know the list goes on they they need a big bat or two yeah um pablo cannot do it all by himself hit 330 last year not that many runs scored because you know he's slow and big they don't call him panda for nothing but I mean Mark DeRosa will help some but when you have a team where Aaron Rowand is likely going to see his most time in the leadoff spot that's awful that's like that's a non-starter for me if that's your leadoff hitter your offense is going to be horrible it doesn't matter you could have Matt Holiday and Albert Pujols and you know, A Rod, the next three hitters, 
and you would, I mean, you'd obviously be all right. I'm being, <laughs> I'm, you know, using hyperbole, but uh, Aaron Rowan is an awful leadoff hitter. Maybe a seven or eight hitter. Yeah. But leadoff? Come on. He's he's a he's a gutsy guy. He you know he's famous for breaking his nose or whatever on the chain link fence. He's just stubborn. Yeah. Is what he is. He 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 plays balls to the wall, which is fine, and that's you need a guy like that, like an Eric Burns. Actually, that's what I was gonna say about the Diamondbacks. I forgot to say this. But I'm gonna so we're gonna go take a little trip back to the Diamondbacks. The biggest loss they had was Eric Burns. Just like for I, clubhouse uh, yeah. reasons. Eric Burns is a great guy. If I were building a major league team and this guy is 72 and whatever, I'm a GM in 30 years. I'm having Eric Burns on my roster just because he's so funny and he plays so gutsy. I think the Diamondbacks should have kept him around. Back to the Giants. Aaron Rowan's that similar type guy. He's not really super talkative that Eric Burns is, but right. he, he plays the same way. He plays with his heart on his sleeve. Is that the saying? That's, uh, that works. All right. I don't even know if that applies here, but I think it's good. Um, I compare them to what the Cardinals would look like if the Cardinals did not have Albert Pujols and Matt Holliday. Yeah. I think they're pretty similar teams. If you take away Pujols and Holliday from the Cardinals, I say that about equal to the Giants. Yeah. That's Giants true. have probably a little bit more rotation depth. Absolutely. I think Barry Zito is often overlooked, in my opinion, mainly because he's being paid as one of the top pitchers in all of baseball, and he's not that. But I think at this point, if he's a solid three or four, that would be better than what he has been. And he really showed near the end of last year uh, that he is making steps toward that. And with uh, Zito, Sanchez, and then whatever combination of a fifth starter they have, I think the rotation if the Giants somehow make it into the playoffs it's going to be on the rotation yeah yeah exactly and if they made it to the playoffs they can make some noise because they have the the big time starters that you need exactly they're would be built tough for the to playoffs beat. they have amazing one two pitching their pitching's built for the playoffs yes their offense is built for nothing yeah and it's, um, we've Except for failure. I think we've exhausted that. Uh, so I agree with you on Zito, though. He almost had a, th- a year after having, what, over five the last two seasons or something like that. Bad. Like you he said, definitely not one of the best pitchers in baseball like he's being paid, but definitely not a drain on the Giants' rotation like some people. I mean, he's a drain on the financials, financial situation. Absolutely. But at least he's bringing some sort of value to the team at this point. Yeah. Uh, moving on now, we're going to... Hit the NL Central quickly because, honestly, none of these teams are exciting, in my opinion. Um, so the Cardinals, we talked about them some. They lost some hitting as far as DeRosa and uh, Troy Gloss as well as Rick Ankeel. Um It's going to be kind of fun to see if David Fries can actually play third base. He's been in the minor leagues for a while. Um, and he has a decent bat, but hasn't really been known for his defense, and they're looking for him to be the third base replacement uh, from DeRosa leaving. They've got Brad Penny coming in, maybe, uh, is it Dave Duncan, their yes. pitching uh, coach? Uh, Penny could look really great this year, as well as uh, Rich Hill signed a minor league contract. It's not too far uh, ago that Rich Hill was putting up some ridiculous numbers in Chicago. Yeah, I think Rich Hill was a good addition with their, like you said, Dave Duncan. He's turned some bad pitchers into good pitchers. And Joel Pinheiro? Yeah, I think he could do that with Rich Hill and Brad Penny. Absolutely. Um, however, I like Colby Rasmus in center. I think he's a good. he has a good upside. We've talked about him, I think, for fantasy purposes in the past. Yes. I think he's going to be good. I did just trade him away in one of our leagues, but um, you know, I'm not not hating on him quite yet. They Give have, time. they have, yeah. If he starts to do good, I'll hate him. But they have one of the best one-two punches in the lineup: Switching Albert Pujols and Matt Holiday. 
as well as the rotation yes. with Carpenter and Wainwright, two guys who were top three in Cy Young votes last season. Two and three, yes. They were two and three, yes, to some guy. Some little tiny guy yeah. from San Francisco. So if Dave Duncan can turn Rich Hill, Brad Penny, and uh, Kyle Lotion is something that matters, some things that matter, they, they are going to be good. But apart from Holiday, Rasmus, and Pujols, their offense is not that good. I mean, they have Skip Schumacher, who has pretty much hits for a decent average and at the top of the order, so he scores a lot of runs, but he's not that good of a player in any facet. And in my opinion, hopefully, the Cardinals' second baseman, by the time August rolls around, will be one Daniel Descalso, uh, a former UC Davis Aggie, the college that both Mark and I attend. Uh, he's in AAA right now for the, the Cardinals, and it would be really cool to see Descalso at second base, especially because... Schumacher is a converted outfielder and doesn't really play that good of defense. Yeah. And he's often uh, spends time in the outfield. Like, he will be put out there in the seven or eight inning uh, for the rest of the game for a de- defensive replacement. The only thing about that, though, is they have Julio Lugo still on their roster, who doesn't play a bad second base. And yeah. So I think they would need to go through, but they would need, need to realize that both Schumacher and Lugo are terrible, which is a distinct possibility before they go to their minor when league system. When they have Brandon Ryan over at shortstop, who put up eh numbers last season, but and I honestly I've never seen him play that much. I know he used to sport a mustache as well for a while, uh-huh. um, and uh, had those old school socks that Ankeel used to have when he was pitching on the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, I don't know very much about Brandon Ryan. But I think if Lugo would play shortstop and some combination of Schumacher or Descalso up the middle, that wouldn't be that bad. And we haven't really touched on Ryan Ludwig at all, but we're not going to because we hate him. So what I'm basically what I'm getting from you is the most you know about a baseball player is that his facial hair situation and his attire. Yeah, well, I, I know his numbers, but I've never seen him actually play that much. Um, the only time I've seen him on baseball tonight has been when they're making fun of his mustache after he strikes out. Right. So I don't um, think he's that good of a player. Well, um, baseball tonight isn't the BL end all. We are, obviously. Um, right. <laughs> uh, anywho, the Cardinals are going to be good just because they have four really great players in Pujols, Holiday, Carpenter, and Wainwright. And Especially couple- in this kind of division where the only other real competition, in my opinion, are the Cubs, who are cursed, and the Brewers, who seem to like just be a step away always. Yeah, uh, the Cardinals, like I said, they're they're gonna, they are made for the playoffs because they have two great starters, they have two big hitters, and they have sort of good depth everywhere yeah. else. If they can make it through the long season and make it to the playoffs, win their division, then I think they're gonna be a force to be reckoned with in the playoffs. All right, we're gonna touch real quick on uh, some teams that I don't see competing at all this year, and honestly, they're really bad. The Houston Astros are kind of. You know, they made it to the World Series a couple years back, and ever since Brad Lidge... No, it wasn't even the World Series. It was the NLCS, where Brad Lidge gave up that home run to Albert Pujols. They just haven't been the same. So what do you say we combine the Astros and the Pirates into one? Yeah, we can. They're both pretty bad. Uh, The Pirates lost Matt Capps and didn't really add anyone of note. I mean, we could mention some names. Chances are you might know them. Maybe not. Um, I mean, Bobby, Bobby Crosby, Crosby yeah. everyone knows if you're from Oakland or the Bay Area, but that's mostly because you hate him at this point. Jeff Clement at first base. I mean, they didn't. They got him 
last season. He's starting full time. He's gonna be starting at first base. Basically, finally. the Pirates are terrible. They're not gonna win. Not gonna go to the playoffs. The Astros are worse, in my opinion. Astro, you think the Astros are worse? I mean, they have some hitters, and uh, I don't really like their pitching really at all. They've got Oswalt and Wandy Rodriguez, and they do have Berkman and Carlos Lee and Hunter Pence, but. Honestly, I, I could flip a coin to pick whoever's going to finish last in this division. It's going to be one of those two guys. Yeah, I think Brett Myers is not going to be terrible if, if he can hold up for a full season. But they have Jeff Keppinger at shortstop. And Tommy Menzelli, I believe, is going to yeah, get some time at shortstop. Well. Yeah, and then they have Kaz Matsui at second. And then they have, you know, they're starting Justin Towles at catcher. For now, until yeah. Jason Castro gets exactly. there. So... They have an okay outfield with Lee, Bourne, and Pence, and they have a pretty good first base in their Berkman. But aside from that, they're, they're one one and two starters, like you said, Oswalt and Wandy. They're not a good team, neither are the Pirates. I think we can now move on to a different team. Yeah, I mean, they're bad. The I, I, we, I think we've mentioned our bet before that I have the Pirates will make the playoffs at some point in the next seven seasons. It's either seven or eight seasons at this point. We should have written that down. But um, I really don't see the Pirates coming close. If they can get to 500 awesome anyway moving on uh, another team that I don't really see competing and that's mostly because I hate their manager and he ruined NL Central and we're talking managers that destroy pitchers arms I think everyone knows we're talking about the Reds and Dusty Baker who I actually have a signed baseball of from his dad sitting on my desk um, right now but whatever uh, not that I'm bragging. That doesn't make him good. Yeah, no, he's a horrible manager at this point. Um, he destroyed Aaron Harang and Bronson Arroyo. He's trying his best to destroy Homer Bailey and Johnny Cueto. And, um, you know, they have, they're have they an interesting team, some nice offensive pieces. Drew Stubbs, Jay Bruce, Brandon Phillips is one of the top offensive second baseman at least Joey Votto's not bad at defense at actually I think Brendan Phillips is actually above average at defense at second okay yeah Votto Votto they have solid offensive pieces they they don't have that one big bat Votto right. and Bruce have sort of good power they probably could each hit 30 well Bruce offense. has amazing power he just misses all the time yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon Phillips like you said he could he could and has hit 30 they don't have like one guy who everyone's afraid of they have exactly. a few guys who are good like above average but they don't have one guy both in the rotation and out in the field that scares anyone so they're they're not gonna win the division either i feel comfortable saying that yeah and they signed orlando cabrera to fill up the hole at short they've got uh interesting battle out in left field probably in my opinion chris heisey is gonna win that he's kind of came out of nowhere still not sure if he's actually gonna be that great of a major leaguer but you know it's an interesting team if they can get rid of Baker and let uh, Aroldis and Homer Bailey and Johnny Cueto kind of grow as pitchers. They also have Mike Leake in the minors that they got, I believe, from Arizona State this past uh, draft, who's going to be there very quickly. Um, he's a low upside, uh, high floor kind of starter who uh, Baker could easily destroy in maybe two years if he gets the chance. Um, you know, the interesting team. I don't see them competing this year, honestly. I, I think that the Brewers and the Cardinals are going to be too good for them. Yeah. And speaking of the Brewers, the last team in the NL Central, you know, while the Reds don't have the big hitter that everyone's afraid of, the Brewers have two. 
Indeed. Ryan Braun, Prince Fielder, ridiculous power on both ends there. Uh, solid hitters. I mean, the, the question that the Brewers have had is pitching depth the last couple of years. And they as we talked about before, they signed Randy Wolf to be in that two or three spot with uh, Giovanni Gallardo, Yoga, uh, in the number one spot. And, um, you know, so the pitching will definitely be the question mark for this team. Uh, the bullpen doesn't really have any huge names aside from Trevor Hoffman, who ha- his best years are well far behind him at this point. But the, they, they, they've put up decent numbers consistently. They seem to always find arms that can, you know, th- go out there for 70 or so appearances and put up some numbers. Yeah, they have... I, th- I, th- I like the Brewers this year. I think they're going to... They have a, a team that's also built for the playoffs. They have the really great start at the top with Gallardo, and they don't really have a great number two. Sort of Randy Wolf, Doug Davis, Jeff Supon, Dave Bush. Those guys are all sort of mediocre yeah. to maybe slightly above average for Wolf. Um, but they have, they have a solid solid offense. They have deep offense. They have really fast guys with uh, Alcides Escobar, Carlos Gomez, Ricky Weeks. Uh, Corey Hart, I don't like him very much in right field. And catcher Greg Zahn is just terrible. Yeah, the, the Brewers have been looking for a catcher for a while. They had Jason Kendall. Um, they don't really have a long-term answer in the, uh, in the minors right now. So it should be fun to see Greg Zahn trot out there for 90 or so games and look awful every time, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, so I think the Brewers could challenge the Cardinals if any team in the NL Central is going to do it, it would be them. Um, there's also the Cubs. We talked about them yet? Uh, n- a little bit. I think I mentioned one team that was cursed. Um, nice. You know, they didn't really... They kind of evened out as far as additions and departures go this this season. They added some kind of okay guys. They lost Milton Bradley, which is probably the biggest addition by subtraction there is in baseball this offseason. was just ruining the clubhouse at that point. Um, but yeah, I, I, I can't see the Cubs competing until they actually can put a season together. So I guess, you know, I'm not going to believe it until I see it kind of thing. Yeah. Alfonso Soriano's on the, on the downswing. He's not going to be very good. Same with Kosuke Fukudome. Was he Carlos ever on Zambrano. the upswing Yeah. They don't have many like really good names. Aramis Ramirez is one of the better offensive third basemen in baseball. He's right up there. I, I would put him. I would equate him to sort of Ryan Zimmerman. I think Zimmerman plays better defense, but about offensively, they're about the equal. Yeah. Um, they have. They're going to have a good closer this year in Carlos Marmol. That guy can blow some people away if he right. can just command the strike zone. And they have sort of a deep rotation with Lily, uh, Tom Gorslany. I don't think is going to be terrible this year. He'll be a good fifth starter. But Ryan Terrio at uh, the Riot at a at shortstop is gonna, not going to be good. Uh, Baker, Jeff Baker at second is going to be good. I don't like Marlon Bird in center, so I'm hoping they bring up Starling Castro to play at shortstop sometime in this year because at least give him some playing time. I think he's he has a good future. Um, yeah, the but, problem is that Terrio finally got became arbitration eligible, so he's finally starting to cost some money. So they either need to move him, uh, maybe move him to second, but which wouldn't be bad because Jeff Baker is not good. Yeah. They have some crazy names on this team with Terrio, Fontenot, uh, that's about where it Fukudome. stops, Gorzelani, Fukudemi, Hoffpower. Micah, yeah. Micah anyway, I'm, yep. I've honestly lost interest in the Cubs over the years because it's just kind of... Xavier Nady. It's maybe how, how Red Sox fans felt before they actually turned it around where it's just like, 
Awesome. How, how do you how do you keep rooting for a team that just always falls apart every summer? Yeah, I think we spent enough time on the NL Central. Yeah, moving on to an interesting division, unlike the NL Central. Uh, then we're gonna start uh, with the New York Mets, basically, because they, I think, have the most stories coming into the spring training, mainly because of how awful they were last year. They only won 70 games last year. And that's mostly to do with the amount of injuries they had. Yeah. Um, yeah, the injuries were a problem, and they just got to hope that that doesn't happen this year. I mean, yeah, I mean, if this team could be very good if everyone stays healthy. Um, Carlos Beltran in center field, I believe he had hamstring problems. He's, he's going to miss the first month of the year. Yeah, Jose season. Reyes also has problems below the waist. That kind of sounded bad, but... Uh, <laughs> lower than that in the leg region. Jeff Francoeur has problems not swinging at every breaking ball he sees. Yeah. Um, you know, Jason Bay will be a good bat in the middle of the order with David Wright. Uh, but, you know, it'll be we'll have to see if David Wright can actually regain some power that he lost. He only hit 10 home runs last season after yeah. I mean, we talked about this in the fantasy section a couple weeks ago. So, I mean, it it's very It'll be fun to see as spring training progresses what kind of team that this could be. Yeah, there's a lot of big names on this team. Johan Santana, K-Rod, Jose Reyes, David Wright, Jason Bay, all the Carlos Beltran. They have lots of big, like, big-name players who earn big contracts. They need to turn that talent and sort of commesh it and turn it into something that can win on the field. Right now they have a good fantasy team. I wouldn't mind having these guys, like, as my team in fantasy, but... That's not how. That's not how Omar Manaya needs to do it. He needs to build some. He needs character guys. He needs guys who will take a pitch or two. He needs guys who know how to play the game of baseball. Uh, right. And moving on to the NL champion of last year, uh, and probably the favorite at this point to repeat, uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. They pretty much. Uh, didn't have a lot of turnover, at least as far as hitters go, but in the pitching rotation. One of the biggest stories of the offseason, Roy Halladay finally getting out of Canada, getting to come play in Philadelphia. Um, although we talked about this last week where I don't understand why the Phillies felt the need to trade away Cliff Lee at the same time. Uh, kind of hurt them, I think. They could have had three really amazing pitchers, and now they have still have two really good pitchers, Halladay and Hamels. But if the, they could have had Hamels at the three spot, but now they have Joe Blanton instead. Yeah, the problem with that was that it, everyone knew they traded him away because they couldn't afford to have both Lee and Halliday on the team. But the problem was that Joe Blanton makes about the same money as Cliff Lee exactly. does this season. So they could have traded away Blanton for whatever, something terrible, you know, whatever. Just to get his contract exactly. off the books. Exactly, just to get rid of his money because having him instead of Lee hurts you. Having Lee instead of Blanton it gives you maybe the best rotation in baseball just because you have three potential aces. Exactly. Uh, there's only one or two other teams that could ha even argue to have something like that. Um, and with the offense that they have, they would be one of the favorites to rival the Yankees to, as the, I imagine the Yankees are going to be the favorite to win the World Series um, again. But yeah, with their offense, with Utley, Ryan Howard, Raul Abanez, Victorino, Worth, Polanco. Polanco's not great, but he's a good like bottom of the order guy. If you hit him seventh, he's he's a good seven hitter. Yeah, when you have the other hitters that the Phillies do, having Polanco at third base doesn't really hurt you that much. He's not oh. going to have power. 
but he's going to hit for decent average, and he's going to play a really good defense. Yeah, they, this team is set up to win in both the regular season and the playoffs. They're going to be tough to stop. The only thing that they that is there was their Achilles heel last year that they need to sort of take care of this year. Is they need to get Brad Lidge out of the closer role. They need to put Ryan Madsen in there and just deal with it. Yeah, I mean, Madsen doesn't really have overpowering stuff, but just way more consistent than Lidge. Lidge, a complete head case. Uh, I don't think he, I mean, maybe he can bounce back. He was great for them when they won the World Series two seasons ago, but horrible last year, really. Um, And I don't think that they can go throughout the season. I mean, at least if they still have this question mark at the trading deadline, they're going to have a problem. You know, the season's very long. I suppose they can throw him out there in early spring, see if he has his head back on straight or not, and then move forward from there. But if he doesn't, they need and quick. And the problem that they could come across is that they don't really have much of a de- uh, depth in their farm system at this point, emptying the cupboard to get Roy Halladay. Yeah, uh, they, they're going to win the division. I'm going to say that right now. Um, and I don't know too many people that would argue with that. So they're going to be good. That's it. Yeah, all right. Moving on to another interesting team. The Atlanta Braves had a lot of turnover this season. In the bullpen, they kind of had this dual closer thing going on the last couple of years with Mike Gonzalez and Rafael Soriano at the back of their bullpen, both of which are gone now. Mike Gonzalez signed with the Orioles. Rafael Soriano kind of caught the Braves off guard and accepted arbitration and then they quickly traded him away to the Rays. So both those guys in closers roles in the AL East now, and uh, two high-risk, high-reward arms that the Braves signed, Takashi Saito and Billy Wagner, uh, teammates from last year, actually, on your Boston Red Sox, Mark. Um, But if their arms don't fall off, could really solidify, or at least keep the back of games, uh, you know, a very good chance to win, for the Braves as at least or maybe even better than last season with Soriano and Gonzalez. Yeah, Bobby Cox sort of perfected the bullpen by committee sort of concept last year with uh, with Soriano and Gonzalez because they were lefty-righty, and that's what they have with Wagner and Saito, are two decent veteran relievers who can throw pretty hard, at least Wagner can. Saito still can get up there. Who have closing experience, who wouldn't be a bad closer by themselves on a team. They have two of them. So he's probably going to do the same thing back and forth matchup-wise well, with Wagner and Saito. Um, the rest of the team, they're kind of young in spots, and they're kind of really, really old in spots. They have Chipper Jones at third base, who is like made of toothpicks. He's, he can just crumble at any time. They have Troy Gloss at first base, who's similar. He's sort of injury-prone, and he's getting up there in age. Uh, I like Nate McLaughlin center. He's sort of underrated. He can play solid defense. He's not a no gold glover, and he can. He's not a. Bad he's an all-around solid player. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to wow you in any one category, but he's not going to really. He doesn't have a huge uh, weakness at any point either. Right. I like the rotation. Tommy Hansen should be a good ace uh, with Jurgens, Low, Hudson, and Kawakami. That's, they all have pretty good roles. Jurgens is a good second. Low is a good third, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, it should be fun. I mean, we talked about Javier Vasquez some last week I, d- I don't think he's going to do well in New York but it, it'll be interesting Hopefully, not going to do as well as well hopefully the Braves can keep it together after losing 
an ace. You know, that's a lot of pressure to put on Tommy Hansen at such a young age to really hold down a rotation with him and Jurgens, both fairly young still. Yeah, uh, the big question mark here, the big off-season storyline is Jason Hayward, whether or not he's going to get the, the start from the beginning of the season. Um, my guess is that he probably won't. Yeah, it, he could probably play his way into it, depending on how this is spring training goes. But you see a lot of teams nowadays holding off for even just a month or two. Even if a team, if even if a player is a, is ready to play, they'll hold off just to keep his arbitration clock from uh, clicking in and becoming a Super 2 player like uh, Tim Linscombe this year, who is costing the Giants way more than a league minimum at this point. So yeah. if, if they can keep it together for two, maybe two and a half, three months into the season... And then we're going to see Jason Hayward for the rest yeah. of the year in right field. I really like Jason Hayward. I'm I'm super super high on him. I think he's going to be a good not just fantasy player, which is why kind of why I like him. He's on my one of my fantasy teams, but he's going to be a good baseball player because he's smart. He can play defense. He has a good arm. He can do it all. Yeah, he's there's talks of him. I mean, already it's a lot of pressure to put. Like I said, with Hanson and Jurgens, a lot of people are already whispering Hall of Fame in regards to Jason Hayward. And yeah, for a guy who hasn't taken a major league at bat yet, might be a bit much. But, you know, he definitely has the talent to do that if all yeah. things go right for him. People were doing that with Justin Upton, and he's still pretty young, and he has a long ways to go. But he's doing okay. He's he's not He hasn't reached his potential yet, but he's on his way there. Right. Um, Hayward is that same kind of guy. He might not have as, the same amount of power as Upton. He might not have the same amount of speed, but he's not far from that. Um, so if I were the Braves, I would keep him in the minors and for a couple months. Uh, just to delay his clock a little bit because you can have him for that one extra season. And I honestly don't think uh, they are not going to say this publicly or even maybe even to themselves, but they don't have like that great of a chance to win the division or make the playoffs at all anyways. So they might as well wait and let Hayward start. But if they convince themselves that they have a chance to win this year, it could sort of hamstring them long-term if they bring Hayward up. Yeah, what's the point of starting his arbitration clock when it's going to be another year or two uh, before they're actually going to be competing in the NL West. Yeah. So you're going to be already paying him a ton of money by the time uh, you're actually you know, vying for that top spot. Speaking of top prospects, Mark, um, another top prospect who may or may not begin the season in the majors, chances are he's not, considering the news that came out today, where uh, manager Riggleman, John Riggleman, uh, said that he will most likely not, he's not competing for a starting rotation spot. Yeah, a similar situation, similar to Hayward's. Yeah, where the, Na- I mean, we're talking Nationals and Steven Strasburg. The Nationals are going to be horrible this year. Yeah, the Nationals are going to be horrible for a while. Um, regardless of whether or not they bring up Strasburg this year, next year, the year after, they're not going to make the playoffs in those years. Like, I, I, obviously, that yeah, I can't say that, but he. Although I just did say that. <laughs> he Strasburg is probably going to be an ace unless he gets hurt. The The question mark here is if they can build a better team around him offensively. They have Ryan Zimmerman, who's a good building block uh, out in the field, and they have Adam Dunn, who has lots of power, but he's not a guy that they're going to sort of rely on long term. They need to replace guys like Carlos Guzman? Christian, Christian Guzman. Guzman and Adam Kennedy and, you know, if Josh Willingham pans out, great. If Elijah Duke pans out, great. But they need guys at those spots that can play baseball that are better than the guys they have, and it's going to take them a few years to get there. Yeah, they've been struggling for a while, and it's still going to be a while at this point. 
They did sign Jason Marquis and Chinming Wong this offseason, who could give them a nice top of the order, at least as far as veteran presence go. Neither of them put up that great of numbers. I think by the time late June, early July rolls around, we'll see Steven Strasburg every five days in a Nationals outfit, uh, and I will not be paying attention to them until that happens, honestly. Yeah. Maybe uh, not even once that happens. Yeah, Strasburg is the big storyline here, similar to Hayward. They should keep him down for a while to delay his clock, but they shouldn't wait too long because he is ready to play in the big leagues now. All right, last team in the NL East and in our major two-part baseball extravaganza. Uh, we are finishing with the Florida Marlins, who honestly didn't really do much at all this offseason. Yeah, they don't really do much sort of spending money-wise any offseason. They'll have a big trade every now and then where they trade away a stud and get a prospect or three, like they have with Josh Beck and Hanley Ramirez, like they did with Miguel Cabrera and where they got Cameron Mabin and Anibal Sanchez. No, that was from, yeah. Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller. Anibal Sanchez was from the Red Sox. Yeah. Yeah, and they gave up Mike Lowell. Um, I get them confused. Basically, the Marlins, the only way they're going to compete, just like it has been in the past few years, is if their prospects can come up and, and produce at the major league level. Yeah, and um, two of those prospects that are actually going to be fighting for the first base job this offseason, or this spring training, uh, Gabby Sanchez and Logan Morrison. Morrison is easily the better long-term prospect. Sanchez is um, up, uh, has a couple years on Morrison, so he could very well uh, get the job to start the season and have Morrison start out in AAA. But I think, um, like with Hayward and Strasburg, to a lesser extent, because he's not going to be you know, that top tier of a player, but, you know, halfway through the season, we'll be seeing Logan Morrison at first base for the Florida Marlins. I yeah, think. Uh, they should bring him up. And I think next year, this team, if they have the same players that they have now and they don't trade away, you know, someone like Josh Johnson or something to the Yankees, I think this team could compete for a title next year. Yeah, absolutely. Because with, if they add Stanton and Morrison to the lineup and those two guys can compete like people think they can, then they could just, just like they did in 97 or 98, 97. 98 and 2000. Ago That's my point. guess. 98 yeah. and 2003. Just like they did then, I think they could do it again. They could win a World Series with just the talent that they've sort of rented from the draft. Yeah, you kind of glossed over it, Mark, but Michael Stanton, this he's a very polarizing prospect because I actually uh, found this interesting stat out earlier today while I was listening to a much more listened to podcast, the Baseball America podcast. They were talking about Michael Stanton and no other current major leaguer has ever struck out as much as Michael Stanton has in low as much as Michael Stanton did in low A except Russell Branion. So Stanton definitely has some question marks, but then again the tools are so enticing with the power and the athleticism. Uh, you know, he's got a great arm. He, he's going to be a very good uh, solid defensive right fielder with an awesome arm and he could easily hit 40 to 50 home runs. But that question mark with the strikeouts and being able to make contact regularly enough is going to be huge for him. But if it all comes together, you know, Stanton, Morrison, Cameron Mabin, Chris Coughlin, Hanley Ramirez, that's a solid uh, middle of the lineup for a team that could, like, I agree that if everything goes all right for them uh, next season, they could very well be competing. Yes, they have a bright future just like they've always had. As long as they can sort of keep their nucleus together and not trade away a guy like Miguel Cabrera in his prime uh, for 
more prospects, if they can keep those guys around for just that one extra year, like Hanley, if they can keep him for just the one extra year for their prospects to come up, they could contend for a title. But they're not going to this year. Yeah, all right. Uh, and once again, just like last week, uh, we ran a little bit long, even longer this week than last week. Um, some interesting stories in the National League to look forward to. But uh, we're going to take a quick break, come back for a uh, shortened fantasy section in part two. And once again, as always, our music is brought to us by Music Alley from Mevio. And we already picked out the music this week, everyone. Uh, so We're on top of it. Um, and the song is by the Beat Assassins. And the song's name is I Say Whatever. So uh, we'll be right back with part two. Welcome back. This is part two of episode six of the No Show Sportscast. We're going to do an abbreviated fantasy section because we just love talking about regular baseball so much we just can't stop. And uh, we talk too long and we don't want to have this run so long. So we're going to go quickly through a couple over-unders and then we have a really interesting in-depth player to talk about. And kicking it off... With the over-unders, we're going to start with, we just finished talking about him a little bit, Cameron Mabin, center fielder for the Florida Marlins. He's only 22 years old, and uh, we set, I set his over-under of stolen bases at 15. 15 stolen bases. He had one last year in, in the 54 majors. games in the majors. Eight in the minors before that. I say he gets over 15. Yeah, if he plays regularly all year, and can hit for somewhat of a decent average, which is still in question considering how much he's struggled. But if he can put it together even a little bit, he's definitely the kind of guy who can get 15 easily. Yeah, ESPN projects him for 14. And I think that's conservative. They also project him for 13 home runs. So I say over because he definitely has a speed too. I, I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was injured last year. I feel like he was hurt at some well, point last year. Well, he got hurt, I think, but he also was just flat out struggling when he, he was handed the job to start off and then got demoted to AAA. Yeah. Um, I think if healthy, they're going to let him run and he'll get over 15. Yeah, I think people forget that he is only 22 at this point. He's been around for so long, at least in the prospect world, that uh, for some of us, we can forget how, how young he still is. Uh, some Moving on to our next guy. Not so young anymore. Um, Alfonso Soriano of the Cubs talked about him a little bit uh, when we touched on the Cubs, but I set we're we're talking games played because it's gotten to the point where we just we need to know is he even going to be on the field, uh, not just what numbers he's putting up. So Alfonso Soriano, games played, 130. 130. He had 117 last year. He had 109 in 2008, and then the year before that he had 135. It's looking pretty iffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gonna... I, I think that for someone who not too long ago was a top round pick in fantasy drafts, and even a little bit before that was first round talent, uh, he is nowhere near that. And I can say for certainty that Alfonso Soriano will not be on any of my fantasy teams this year. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I'm not. 
I'm not so certain because I think everyone's going to be down on him, and I think there's a possibility that he stays healthy. It only takes one guy to not be down on him enough, yeah. and I'm not. I'm just. I mean, I'm just not going to touch. Well, him. in 08, he only played 109 games, but he had 29 home runs. He had 20 home runs. Obviously, that's a, that's worse, but he still has the ability to play baseball. He just doesn't have necessarily the ability to stay healthy. So it's a gamble. If you take him, you're gambling that he will be healthy. But it's just like predicting wins or you know predicting picture injuries. You can't predict whether or not a player is going to get hurt. Yeah, I am not an Alfonso Serrano fan at this point. He's burned me too many times in the past. If he can somehow get on to an American League team or any other team but the Cubs, really. Mm-hmm. I'm. I mean, we talked about it. I just am over the Cubs. And uh, if he can get on an American League team and play some outfield, some DH, I think he could, uh, cre- you know, lengthen his career career a little bit. But at this point, if he's continued to fo- uh, to be have to play left field every day, um, he is going to be running down on it. You know, maybe two, three more years, and I just don't think he's going to be able to to play defense. Yeah, he. He's obviously declining, and if you take him, it's a chance, but it's a chance you might be want to take. Yeah, I mean, it, if it is low enough, maybe, but I just don't think there are enough people that realize just how bad he's been as far as actually staying on the field uh, to make it worthwhile. You know, if, if for some reason the, uh, he were to drop really far in an auction or a draft, I may end up with him, but I just don't see that happening. Yeah. Uh, moving on... A uh, center fielder, similar to Maben, didn't struggle nearly as much last year. Uh, Dexter Fowler of the Colorado Rockies. We probably should have talked about him in our Young Guns section a couple weeks ago, but we're getting to him now, and uh, I believe he had upper 20s last season. 27. What? Stolen bases? Yes. 27. 27 stolen bases last season. Uh, before getting injured near the end of the year, and I set his over/under on stolen bases for this coming season at 33. 33. He had 433 at bats last year. I think he will get over 33 because I think he'll play a full season. He'll play 150-ish games. He'll get over 500 at bats, and they're going to let him run wild. So I think he has the potential to get right around 40. Yeah, there is the question with second-year players as it when the pitchers adjust to them, can they? in return adjust and you know make the improvements that they need to that's always a question especially for guys with so little experience in the major leagues like Fowler has but he has the tools at least um, to put together a really incredible season and I, I think you're right 33 I'd probably take the over but I think there is that question as you know how's he going to come back from the injury uh, how's he going to adjust to the pitching? Yeah, I think it'll be fine. All right. Another Colorado Rocky that we're going to touch on. Uh, he's been around for a while as well. Still pretty young, though, in the grand scheme of things. Ian Stewart, uh, third baseman. Hasn't really gotten consistent playing time as, uh, from the Rockies, but this year it's looking like he will have a full season of at-bats to go at it. And um, the one thing that has plagued Ian Stewart throughout the years has been batting average, uh, at least once he got to higher minors and into the majors. And I set his over/under uh, for average at 250. 
I'm going to take the under because he's only had he's like you said he hasn't played the majors a lot in his career, but in his major league career he's only hit two over two two fifty in one season out of two almost full seasons. That was two fifty nine last year he hit two twenty eight in nearly a full season, one hundred forty seven games. Um, so regardless of whether or not he plays a full season, I think actually if he plays a full season that'll hurt his chances because. In baseball, like the more at bats you have, sort of the lower your average gets. Right. Um, if you play just a few at bats, he has the potential to have like a hot streak or whatever and get his average up there. But I think if he plays a full season, I don't think he, he gets to 250. Yeah, Ian Stewart was the once top 10 or so prospect in baseball and has really fallen on hard times. He just can't seem to get the average together. He's always had decent power. Um, you know, he plays good enough defense at third base that he sh- shouldn't have a problem sticking there. There was even some talk about trying to play him at second base, but now that Garrett, At- Garrett Atkins is gone, he'll probably just stick at third for the entire season. I'm taking the under as well. I think if Ian... S- I-, I don't see how Ian Stewart can remain a major league average player. Maybe if he can really ramp up the power and hit around 240, he could be a Mark Reynolds without any speed. Yeah. But I just, I don't see it happening, and I think the time is running out on Ian Stewart's chances. Yeah, in the minors, he he was not very consistent. He hit as high as 319 and as low as 268 um, in the minors, and then once he's gotten to the majors, he hasn't hit above 259. So I, he's not very consistent, and it seems like his average has sort of gone down. Each level, he's gone up. I just I don't think I don't think 250 is going to happen. Yeah, I think it's been a case of facing more and more advanced pitching, and really showing the flaws and the holes in Ian Stewart's swing. Um, moving on, we have three more Mets to talk about: two in our over/under, and then of course our in-depth player. But the first Met shortstop for the Metropolitans, Jose Reyes, didn't really play much at all last year. Um, he says he's healthy. Uh, but, you know, some people have questioned, uh, at least so far in his workouts this spring, uh, how he's looked. And, of course, if we're talking Jose Reyes and we're talking fantasy baseball, we're talking, of course, about stolen bases. Yes. So what is the over-under set at? 35. Oh, definitely over 35. I don't think there's any question he gets over So you think he is going to be at least, you know, 80 to 95 to 100% healthy when the season kicks off? I don't think I think he could be 50% healthy and play a full season and get over 35 stolen bases. All right, that's fair. Um, I think given the the extent of his injury last year, there is still a huge question mark involved with him. Mm-hmm. You know, he kept saying, "Oh, I'll be back in a couple weeks," and they kept putting it off, putting it off, eventually shutting him down for the season. So, you know, it it'll be telling in the spring if he can get on the field, stay on there then I might not worry as much. But at this point, until we actually see a healthy Jose Reyes on the field, I'm not taking a chance on him. If I were to draft or auction today, I don't think he would end up on my team just because I think there are enough people out there that aren't as worried about the injury as I am. And, you know, I may be wrong, and I think that an entire spring training of healthy Jose Reyes will change my opinion of it. But at least right now, uh, I don't think that you can expect Jose Reyes to be back to uh, full health. Yeah. Uh, last year has been really the only year where he was hurt. Um, since becoming a full-time player in 2005, he's not played less than 153 games, and he twice played, or three times, he played 159 or more. 
So he's actually been a pretty durable guy until last year. And I actually like the fact that he didn't play that much last year, that say they sort of sat him out for most of the year, because it just gave him that much more time to rest. And the problem with his injury is that it's 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 a nagging one. It's it's an injury that can come back. It's an injury that can, uh, can sort of last for a long time, especially for a speeder, uh, speedster. But uh, I think he took enough time off. I think he's going to be good. Yeah, I mean, it's possible, but really it's still up in there at this point. We'll have to see um, if he can be healthy. And moving on to another Met that was injured last year as well, like most of the at least important Mets were, um, Johan Santana. The ace starter that they got relatively cheaply from the uh, the Twins a few years back, um, he has had been a very durable, consistent starter throughout the years, and then last year, only 166 and two thirds innings. Um, so I I'm we're gonna talk about innings pitched right now, and I said it at. I think he gets over 210. Um, since becoming a full-time starter in 2004, he had not gone below 219 until last season. So he's another one of those guys who is sort of has been durable his whole career until last season when he wasn't really that durable. Uh, I, I have a standing sort of wager kind of with someone that uh, I say Johan's going to get over 30 starts, um, which I think I think 30 starts for Johan Santana equals 210 innings at least. Yeah, if he's healthy, definitely... Uh, over 210 there's still that question you know he needs to get back out it's kind of like Jose Reyes where he needs to prove that he's healthy again that he's gonna be back out on the field every five days and honestly I had uh, ulterior motives when putting Johan on the list right here Um, I was watching MLB Network the other day and they were I believe it was yesterday what it's a good channel it is a good channel everyone who isn't watching MLB Network should do that Uh, Matt Vaskersian um, I'm, you know, some of the uh, former players not a huge fan of, but I digress. Uh, they were interviewing Johan his first day in spring training, and it was in regards to Roy Halladay, and they were saying, Johan, Johan, who's the best pitcher in the division right now? I heard about this. Yeah, and, and Johan just said one word, Santana. So he's not <laughs> lacking confidence at this point. He's, you know? He has to think that. He... You, you wouldn't. You, you can't wouldn't be like. You know what? Pitcher. Yeah, you can't be like. He's supposed to be like your bulldog. He's supposed to be like super, like your leader, or whatever. You can't be like. Roy Halladay is pretty good. Yeah, you know. <laughs> the Phillies are looking pretty good this year. On the Mets against the Phillies, they're not really fans of each other. Um, so I, I can I can see the point, but it just kind of seemed silly. You know, he was so confident. It's it's a fun. Uh, puff piece for the early spring training time. I think if he had come out and said I'm without being asked I think if he came out and was like made a point to say that That's hey true. I'm better than Roy Halladay then it would be a confidence issue but asked point blank you have to answer that you're the best even yeah. if you're you know Kevin Correa you have to be like you know I think I'm better than everyone thinks I am you have to say that <laughs> that's a nice name to pull out of the hat nice <laughs> all right I was struggling to come up with someone <laughs> um Kevin Correa is always solid uh, we are going to move on. It's not true. He's almost never solid. Who <laughs> are in-depth player. Yet another Met, although he didn't have to deal with all the injuries and trouble with the Mets last season because he was on another team that was, you know, having a pretty good season. Who? Uh, Jason Bay. Who, what team? He was on the Red Sox. Oh, yeah. That's a good team. Um, he had a career year as far as home runs go uh, at 36 you know, he had a pretty low average at 267. Um, 
But as you would expect in a lineup such as the Red Sox, he had over 100 runs and RBIs. Yeah, he, the Green Monster helped him out. That's what some people are saying. Playing in, in the Fenway, it's it's a good hitter's ballpark just for that reason. Um, he's always been sort of a power guy. He's he's even playing uh, in Pittsburgh. He he had 35 home runs in 2006. He had 32 in 2005. So he's he's power's always sort of been his calling card. Um, I think he was a good offensive addition for the Mets. He's not really good defensively in he's left field. He's pretty bad defensively, honestly. Last year, I think playing in front of the Green Monster sort of made him look worse because that's not an easy thing to do. Manny Ramirez was actually pretty good at that because he did it for so long. That's, yeah, that's you, a, it, playing you, in front of the Monster is a different animal. Absolutely. You need to you know, be very familiar with that park to be able to play defense. It could have affected it so much, but um, Jason Bay looks like below average defender at this point and with Carlos Carlos Beltran uh, on you know hobbled legs and Jeff Francoeur in right field we're looking at a fairly bad defensive outfield at this point for the yeah Mets. did you know his middle name is Raymond Jason Bay's middle yeah, name yeah I want to call him J. Ray Bay <laughs> and he's from did you know the city that he's from no Trail Trail I know he's Trail from Canada, Canada. I'm... Trail Canada we are recording on Sunday night listeners and USA just beat Canada in hockey, so USA, uh, USA we, um, could go off a little bit on how much Canada sucks, but we won't. They're a pretty fancy hat. Yeah, they are America's hat. Um, so yeah, I mean, we there isn't a whole lot to discuss. It 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 might be worth noting that uh, David Wright struggled with power last season, and for those who think that the park had a strong effect on it. That could, should really affect their thinking of Jason Bay uh, when it comes to drafting and auctions this year. Uh, he, if, if it is the park and hitters just aren't going to hit that many home runs there, Jason Bay is not going to sniff 35 next season. No, he's not going to hit 35 next season, regardless. Even um, that's if he were in like Coors, he might. Or if he was in Arlington, he might. But or Fenway. Or Fenway, <laughs> but uh, I don't. I don't think he gets to 35 even. Not considering the the ballpark, um, so his power is going to drop a little bit. He's not going to be as good as he was last year, but he's not going to also be terrible. He's he's a good out, he's a good outfielder in fantasy. Yeah, it, he. It's worth noting that he's at another huge contract that the Mets have. Uh, four year, sixty six million dollar deal with incentives could get up to eighty million, as well as a fifth year that is a seventeen million dollar option for the Mets. So. This Mets team, you know, for the quality of baseball they're putting on the field, they're spending way more money at this point. Yeah, they are like, they remind me of the Washington Redskins of the NFL where they just sort of drop money all the time, That's but it's on connection. it's on like the biggest name player that they can get. They have to, they're the team that they feel like they have to get a big name player to fill the seats, but it's not normally the right player. Yeah, and, you know, really, they have young guys like Fernando Martinez who... They've given some chance to, but not really given uh, a full play in the outfield. Uh, and the signing of Jason Bay and um, the re-signing of Jeff Francoeur and Carlos Beltran coming back from injury, Fernando Martinez isn't going to be playing that much this season anyway. But yet again, I'm digressing away from our point of Jason Bay. Uh, final thoughts before we sign off on Jason Bay. Uh, I don't like him compared to where you're going to have to draft or how much you're going to have to pay for him in an auction. 
which side note, I really love that that's becoming as big of a deal as as it is. What's that? That auctions are part of ESPN and Yahoo at this point. That um, it's so much more fun to play in a one-year auction league than a one-year draft league, in my opinion. Absolutely, no auction was the way it began, and then the online sort of era, sort of. We we should talk about this. We should talk we, about we, that'll be probably next week's topic. Um. Anyways, yeah. So we'll go into the. But next. yeah, Jason Bay. Uh, I am going to avoid uh, because he didn't have a down year last year, like uh, Jose Reyes, um, or Alfonso Soriano. So I don't think I think there's going to be someone who's going to think that his numbers will continue he's going to hit 35 36 home runs again and it's not going to happen in my opinion yeah he's he's going to be worse than he was last year the Mets probably spent too much money on him that's why the Red Sox didn't want to get him because they had injury concerns of his knee and whatever and they didn't he was declining so yeah he's not going to be terrible but he's not going to be worth what you probably have to pay for him all right and with that that is going to do it for episode six of the no show sportscast I have been Trevor Coos, as always, joined by Mark Ling. Um, if you want to drop us a line, you can get us at noshowsports at gmail.com, or our blog is located at noshowsports.blogspot.com. And uh, we will be back next week. Thank you for listening. Don't push me. Don't push me. Don't push me. Don't push me.